Good evening and a very warm welcome to you, those of you who are here in the building and to those of you watching at home. Uh, we are having our evening service as we call it coffee and chat and um, as you will hear in a short while the conversation this time will be taking place with Ian. We're here tonight as we are here every Sunday and throughout the week, worshipping God and remembering that we are all called by him to do his work, to shed and share the message of the gospel. And it, I just think it was really helpful to remind ourselves of that from Matthew 28. When they saw Jesus on the mountain, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. A commission for everyone, but as we will be hearing tonight, as Ian talks about his calling um, to hear particularly, it's always good to be reminded that all of us are called to serve God. All of us have a responsibility to share that love that God has for us with those around us. And as a church, we acknowledge that he has been with us through all that we have been through. And so what better hymn to start with? And I invite you, if you're able, let's stand because we will be sitting for a while. Lord of the church. Thank you. If you're able, I invite you to remain standing as we pray. Father God, we thank you that we are able to gather in this place to recognize that you are the God of yesterday, today and tomorrow. We thank you that you are indeed the Lord of the church, but you're the Lord of all. You're the Lord of creation. We thank you for the lovely sunshine and the warmth of the day as the day draws towards an end. We thank you, Lord, for all those who... Uh, are able to join around our world and give thanks to you for all that you have done for them. But Lord, we recognize, as we were reminded a few moments ago, that we all have a responsibility to share that good news one with another. And particularly, we remember those who are under persecution and in a difficult place this day. Lord, be with them as they seek to care and to show your love. And we pray for ourselves too in our own situations and settings where we may find it hard. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. Amen. Amen. Please take your seats. And Elaine, I think you're going to come and do our reading, aren't you? is 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 10 to 17 and then chapter 4 verse 8. Excuse me, I've got the wrong one here. I've got one Timothy, I think. 
sorry about that. It is, rooted, it is chapter 3, uh, verse 10, 17. Paul's charge to Timothy. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance. Persecutions, sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learnt and have become convinced of, because you know those from you have, who have, you have learnt it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There it, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. This is the word of the Lord. <laughs> yes, yeah, so as I mentioned this morning and has been mentioned um, over the last couple of weeks, it is um, seven years since we called Ian and Vicky to this church. Might seem like longer, but... <laughs> yeah, a jubilee. Well, there you go, see I mean, the celebration. <laughs> you know, jubilee, you normally get a year off. Yeah, you might need to talk to your boss about that. <laughs> So we thought we'd use the opportunity tonight to um, ask some questions to Ian about um, over the last seven years, what he's learned from it, what he's reflected on it. Um, I've got some questions that um, Hannah got from the young people today, which are brilliant. They really are. Please do get a chance to, look, to know them because some of their questions are really insightful. Um, and then there'll be an opportunity for you to ask any questions if you'd like to. And as far as I've, you said, no questions are hard questions. Well, all, there will be hard questions, but, but no, no questions are banned. Right, okay. I might just refuse to answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so to start off with, though, we're going to do a bit of, like, fun questions. It's more about just know you, and um, I'll be going to give you a choice of two things, and you have to answer what your choice would be. Okay. There's nothing too bad. I think I know some of the answers of what you would say. Okay. But I think not everybody would know that. So these are the fun questions before we get into the last seven years. Okay. You can't look. I can't see. <laughs> okay. Tea or coffee? Oh, definitely coffee. Okay. Although I used to drink tea. Oh. But, but then I found out I could, it was making me ill. So tea I, didn't like you. Tea didn't like me, so I okay. had coffee, yeah. Black decaf coffee, if anybody wants to know. Yeah. Biscuits or chocolate? Oh, chocolate. 
Has your chocolate intake increased over the last seven years? <laughs> no, it's always been high. <laughs> Would you rather live in Australia or Italy? Oh, um, probably it Italy. Yeah, probably Italy. Okay. Yeah, Italy's got a bit of culture about it and that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That okay. surprised you, didn't it? No! There's too many big spiders for my wife in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you're having a scone, is it cream first or jam first? I wouldn't have a scone. I'd have a scone. <laughs> my Essex twang coming out. And it's cream first. Every time. Every time. Okay. Countryside or coast? Oh, that's a hard one. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I love the countryside when it hits the sea. <laughs> I think I'm probably coast, but I love the countryside. Okay. Anything but urban. Okay. And where do you live now? <laughs> <laughs> Romford. Somewhere very urban. Okay, and finally, would you rather read fiction or non-fiction? Um, probably fiction. Okay. Yeah. Any type? Any type, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so um, when you first came to RBC, technically you and Vicky actually came a few months before you came to preach with a view. Kind of what I would say is undercover. The church didn't know you were coming with a view to potentially come in here. Yes. So what was your first impressions on that day? Because the church had no idea who you were or why you were here. So you kind of saw us at our real self. Yes. I mean, that wasn't the first time I'd been to Arby's. No, I'd but that been, was... I'd been years before that when I was a regional yeah. minister in that. And uh, actually in this building, I got interviewed to be a regional minister. So a lot that's of history. where the interview took place. That's, that's just a bit of trivia back in 2001. Not that I remember it. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was interesting because, of course, um, coming to Romford, uh, we were coming kicking and screaming. We didn't want to come to Romford um, because, you know, it, there were three churches who expressed an interest in Vicky and I uh, at the time, and um, two of them were in lovely leafy places, and then Romford. And, um, but God had been doing one of his numbers, you know. Which he does. And so we came to Romford and we were trying to find reasons not to come. And, uh, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect church. Just remember that. Uh, they say if you find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll spoil it. Um, but there was that sense of, yes. We could sense there was a lot of hurt around. Mm -hmm. We could sense pain. We could sense that actually the church was ready to just move forward now. Yep. They needed to, we needed to move forward. Um, and we sensed that actually God was calling us here. It's very interesting when you come to a church because when you're a visiting preacher, I used to get this a lot more because when I was a regional minister or national minister, I never used to go to the same church twice. You know, it was always a different church every week. 
and the national, it took me a long, it would take me a long time to get around them all because it was two and a half thousand churches, you know, that's several weeks to work to get through them all. And they, you always used to find out what the big agenda was in the church because people, it's amazing what people say to the preacher on the door. And you pick up, you know, and things like, oh, that was a word for us today, which meant somebody here needs to hear that. And that's all. Sort of and we heard all those things. Yeah. What we also found is a really welcoming bunch of people. Oh. They're, they're a church that actually welcomes, truly welcomes, even though they don't know why we were here at the time. Yeah. We felt a warmth of welcome. I mean, I think there was a few who knew, uh, Ken being one. <laughs> 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 and, uh, you know, because we'd worked on getting the songs and that in order yeah. and that sort of thing. But... Yeah, everybody was sworn, sworn to a certain amount of secrecy there. Um, and so, you know, it was a sense of, but was very much about what's God saying. Okay. That fateful day in September 2014. Exactly. Okay. And then when you accepted the call to come to RBC, what were your ex expectations? <laughs> or did you not have any? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can anticipate the next question. Did, were they realised? <laughs> yeah, think carefully how you're going to answer this one. Um, I mean, the, the moment of uh, the call coming through to say we have been called to RBC was an interesting one because I was, at the time, chairing a church meeting for another church to call their minister, who, which was a church that wanted me, and I said no, and it got all confusing and messy as it does. What were we expecting when we came here? Or what would... Very much that the first part of the work is actually settling things down. Yeah. Bringing a stability and a rest. Not going into massive change. You know, they say, actually, if you want to make a lot of change, do it during the honeymoon period, because you get away with everything as a minister. That didn't feel right when we came here. It felt like, actually, we needed to deal with some of the hurt and the pain that was going on first. And so our anticipation was it was going to be a rough few weeks or months yeah. or years as we did this. And there will be battles. Um, and... Battles always sounds an emotive word, but they'd happen in church. Let's be honest about it. Battles happen. Um, it's when you work out what you're fighting. And uh, we anticipated there'll be some battles of resisting the moving forward because of other agendas that were going on or are going on in church life. So we didn't anticipate an easy ride. Um, and then there was also the huge personal transitions, moving to somewhere we're not naturally suited to. That's not our temperament. Um, leaving our daughter behind. You know, normally the children move out. We left the daughter and the parents moved out. And the emotional trauma of that... Um, so we expected quite a rough ride. We didn't get as rough a ride as we expected. I was going to say that the next question is, yeah. <laughs> was that expectation realised? No, the expectation wasn't fully realised. Um, and that was because, you know, 
we've got a brilliant leadership team in this church. People who, at the time, really gracious, really supportive, really caring. And, you know, a church that's full of lovely people. And people who genuinely care for one another and the minister. Yes, there are battles going on, but actually, rarely is it personal. Most of the time, it's the things. We fight about things. Occasionally, it's aimed at a person, but actually, 99% of the time, it's the, the issue, you know, whatever it may be that people are fighting. And the church as a whole was great. You know, we got made really welcome. When we arrived, we were made really welcome. The manse was got ready. People like John Stewart and Richard here who made sure the manse was okay to move into and that, you know. And, you know, as a minister, you don't take those things for granted. Uh, when you hear what some churches give their ministers or whatever, you know, Romford does care for its ministers, and that's good. Good. What has been your biggest challenge over the last seven years? Or church secretary. I knew I just said that. I knew you said that. What's been Riggs' challenge? I think the challenge. I mean, apart from the pandemic, which probably has been the biggest challenge yeah. that the world faced. But I think so we'll, we'll put that one aside because we'll we, yeah, yeah, we couldn't. Yeah, we couldn't plan yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, we couldn't plan. I think the biggest challenge has been and always will be keeping people serving yeah. um, when we came a lot of people have been doing a huge amount over the ministerial vacancy to keep things running and they were tired and then a lot of people very quickly said I can't do it anymore and put it put things down and things struggled to keep functioning because people were putting things down Often for very good reason. You know, I'm yeah. not wanting to criticise people who put things down because actually sometimes God calls us to do that. Um, the same's happened in the pandemic. A lot of people have put things yeah. down. And, you know, we could do all sorts of things, but actually we need... People. The people who have a passion for those things to make them happen. And that's, you know, I think the biggest struggle is actually getting people... Who can who feel able and willing to serve, um, and that's often conflicted with people who come to me, the minister, or say, "The church should be doing this," and you're thinking, "But who's going to do it?" Yeah, because we can't do everything, and those who are serving are often serving to the absolute total of their capacity. Who's the church that should be doing these other things and that's a real challenge yeah. okay. uh, what would you say has been the biggest regret biggest regret and don't say your current church secretary <laughs> no, no I could joke about that yeah. it goes into the comment about we have a brilliant leadership team you know let's, let's say that the church secretary models that just um, before she tells asks any more awkward questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, biggest regret. Haircuts? No, 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 no. no. I model them on other deacons. Um, <laughs> I 
when uh, I don't know how this is going to come over. I think my personal reflections at the moment are as we dealt with all the pain and the hurt, it was a very soft process to do in that because you don't want conflict. You know, if people are hurt, you don't want to raise conflict. And I've done a fair amount of conflict um, training. Not how to do conflict, but how, how to, to stop resolve stop it, conflict. yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, one of my roles previously was actually going into church to facilitate conflict conversations and try and bring health. And I've done that on a number of churches. So the thing is, you, as a leader, the ministry team, it's important that we don't have conflict. You know, and we've got the ministry team here. Um, Hannah can say, because she's here, you know, is a harmonious team. Yep. There is not conflict within that team. There is respect for one another. But sometimes I wonder whether actually that's left me to be too passive. Okay, yeah. Um, and whether actually by being passive, you don't move forward as much as you should. And it's for good reason, but have we been too passive too long? and not actually called the church to move where God's calling it to go. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep, definitely. That's good because it didn't to me. Yeah, <laughs> no, no I, I think it's true. And also because I think, to be fair, when you and Vicky came, like you said, you were dealing with a lot of um, issues that we individually had, we collectively had, and we all responded differently in those ways. Mm. You know, I responded in a way which I did not think I would be responding in. Mm. I did not think I would be sitting here. <laughs> so thanks <Yeah>. for that. <laughs> well, that's God. Yes, it is, definitely. Mm. Definitely. What would you say, though, has been, when I say achievement, that can sometimes sound a bit sort of like self-centered. So I don't mean achievement as in like you personally, but what do you think as a church, we've done something more a sense of, wow, God's really moved in that area. And we did that because we, we believed in him. I think it's a story of a lot of little stories. Okay. Um, I, I, I mean, you know, we might get to the future in a minute, but I think the future is bigger than what the past is. But the fact that we have seen lives touched, we've seen lots of people come into the church. Yes, we've seen people leave as well, and that's a regret when people feel they have to leave a church falling out or whatever. Um, and behind every one of those is a story which is confusing at times. But the fact people are coming in, I think the way God is bringing RBC to be in a more multinational church, um, with all the richness of that, and I think there's a learning that we have to, have to, have to go through uh, together on that, um, is, I think that's a triumph. Um, the fact that whilst many churches are really struggling to just remain open, we're actually thriving. It's something to give God glory for. Um, you know, there is a lot of churches around that no longer can have ministry. And, you know, if you look at the Baptist churches around Romford, we are really blessed. You know, yeah. there's a lot of churches around Romford haven't got a minister at the moment. 
don't necessarily know when they're going to get a minister. You know, Chase Cross, Elm Park, uh, Cranham, uh, Brentwood, I'm sure there's others, where there is no ministry at the moment, and they're really hard work for those churches in those times. And God has given us a ministry team, you know, and I think one of the challenges, whilst that we can say that's a success, one of the challenges to those who have been given much is required, or those who've been given much, much is required. And one of the questions we've got to ask ourselves constantly, Lord, what are you requiring of us? What is the much you require? However uncomfortable that might be. Yeah, definitely. I think even, you know, you see on a Sunday morning, like the young people and the children go out. We mm. are very blessed to have so many children and young people i know hannah has a great time with them but you know as a church you know we're, we're very blessed that so many churches don't have any children mm-hmm. you kind of answered this a few minutes ago but this will give you a chance to kind of neaten it up um, or you might want to add to it so knowing what you know now of the last seven years what one piece of advice would you have given to yourself seven years ago don't do it. <laughs> I think initially it would be pace. Yeah. Pace yourself. You haven't got to change it all in straight away. Um, and I think it's also take the brave step sooner. Sometimes yeah. we have analysed and overanalyze before taking a step. You know, they call it analysis paralysis. <laughs> and actually, rarely is a decision a disaster, but sometimes no decisions is actually far worse than making a decision that might not be quite right. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, you know, if you just drift and, yeah, it will sort out and protect, not not tackling those things straight on so I think I just said tackle them just go and get them sorted um, pastorally yes but tackle those yeah. things that we should do and I think there's still an element of that that you know the passiveness and that sort of thing yeah I think you know we're all grown up and sensible enough know that we're not going to do something totally reckless but we need to just as it were like you said just take that bold step of faith and go forward or we might do something reckless well yeah <laughs> I you know theological question mark we've got a reckless God you know oh yeah God who created heaven and earth and made human beings with free will what a reckless thing to do you know they're bound to mess up and they proved it but God still loves them yeah and so sometimes as followers of Jesus we're actually called to do things which are a bit crazy true okay so imagine it's Monday morning you got your decaf coffee it's the week ahead Ready? What motivates you to get through that week, other than the coffee? <laughs> and do not do the Sunday school answer. Squirrels. <laughs> um, well, just for the record, decaf coffee doesn't mo- okay. motivate you to get through the week. That just. Uh, uh, what motivates you? First and foremost, it's the fact that I know I'm called. Even in those really tough times, I know I'm called. 
When I was going, starting out in ministry all those years ago, over 30 years ago, can you imagine it? Oh, I've been at school. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When Vicky and I started out in ministry in 1989, a wise person said to us, well, it was actually before this, before we even went to training, so it's about 85, a wise person said to us, write down your calling. Because when it goes, the going gets tough, you need to be able to go back and say, that's why I'm doing this. And so in my mind, when I'm questioning, have you ever heard of imposter syndrome, where you sort of think, one day people will find out I can't actually do this job, okay? If most people suffer it from it, you know, and even ministers suffer it from it. You know. Yeah, I do what, too. <laughs> what, what if one day the church actually found out I can't do ministry, you know? What would happen, you know? And they might have found out and just not told me, I don't know. But it's those points at which you go back to, and I go back to Jeremiah 1-7, when I was saying I'm not old enough to be a minister. I probably am now, but I'm not old enough to be a minister. You know, don't say I'm just a child. It's impossible because I really didn't do very well at school. I'm not intelligent enough to be a minister. Where things are possible with God, where things are impossible with man, they're possible with God. And I can go through scripture after scripture after scripture, which were my calling. I can go through the God incidences where you go to tell somebody you've got the call to ministry and they turn around and say, don't tell me, I know what people are going to say. And they know exactly and they have no way of knowing that. And those moments where you actually think, wow, God is in this. So the motivation becomes when you're sitting there on a Monday morning, you think, I've got all this, this is all coming, we've got these pastoral things that occurred on the Sunday, we need to ring these people, and you're hearing stories, you know, and as pastors, you'll be amazed how much we know about people's life stories. But we will not share unless given permission. Um, you know, and that's a privilege of pastoral ministry, and we love it. We love that fact that people trust you with their stories. But um, we won't share it because confidentiality is really important. People's stories are really important. And so you have all this on your table, and you just have to say to God, okay, God, here I am. I offer my life again to you this week. Use it how you feel fit. Now, the other thing that I have learned is not to plan in this place. It's true. Okay. Even the, on a Sunday. <laughs> it never goes to plan the week, you know. Because there's so much going on, it can be a disaster if you think, I'm going to plan. And if you get to that stage where your plan has got to succeed in exactly the way you've planned your week, you're going to crash. Sometimes you've just got to go with what's going on. And when something has a meltdown or somebody has a meltdown, just deal with it and then resume back. Which also, by contrast, means plan thoroughly. Yeah. So that services, service themes and that, they're not ad hoc. I, we don't sit down on a Monday and say, what should we do this Sunday? You know, Hannah could tell you what we're preaching on till the end of the year because she knows where to go and find it because it's all written down because we have planned it, which means that we know where we're going. So when something comes in and throws a total curveball, 
we have the foundation of not having to sort of, I've got to prepare a sermon for Sunday and it's now whatever, because it's done. You know, and I'm a ruthless planner in that way, but the plans are not Rigid. inflexible. If it goes wrong, it goes wrong. You know, this morning's service, the order of service was planned some weeks ago, and then Andy and Rihanna come back. So what do we do? Can't come into that service. We planned it already. No, of course you don't. You just go with it. And God just says, okay. You know, they used to say when I was at Tamworth, I'm less, I'm more disciplined these days. They used to say that my orders of service were like the British Rail timetable. <laughs> Subject to, to change. Subject to change without notice to anyone. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, there were, I think there were two changes to this morning's order of service that most people didn't know about, but we changed it as we were going through. The worship group would have known about it because I skipped one song and that as pressures come in, and that's yep. what you've got to do. You've got to just be light on your feet. Yeah. Okay. Um, we mentioned earlier a bit about COVID. So, obviously, we're adjusting to some kind of new normal, whatever that is. So what would you say to um, people who are kind of like on the edge of RBC, who are watching online or are back at RBC but are still just watching from the sidelines? What would you say to them? I don't think there's one message for all. Okay, yep. People are individuals. Um, you know, people have anxieties. Uh, COVID has been really cruel to mental health. It's been ruthless on mental health of people. Uh, people who I know outside of RBC who I never thought would have been struggling with their mental health are struggling with their mental health. So never assume you know what somebody's story is. And I think this is one of the, one of the challenges we have as Christians because there is a great desire to get everybody to come to this place of blessing where we are thinking that is the answer for everybody. It's not. And we're also different personalities. Interesting, last week I was speaking to a Baptist minister um, from down the southern counties. And he, he was, we were at an event and he couldn't cope with the crowd. And somebody said, you know, somebody said to me, he's a minister, he should cope with the crowd. No. Just because you're a minister doesn't mean you like clouds. That's where you function, <laughs> not where you recharge. And it was a real interesting thing. But, you know, people are some, some of the people who are on the edge are on the edge because they're fearful of coming in. Not because they hate the people who are in there, but they've had life incidences, issues, those sort of things. And so to them I'd say, God loves you. If we can help you, I'd love to help you come on in. But equally, where you are, just find out how God can use you there. And to those who are watching online, I'd love to have you come back. Love to have you in the congregation. But I'm also recognising that church is not quite what it was before the pandemic. Um, the Wednesday services, you know, there's not a large number of us there, but it's a faithful group, and we just meet, and we just go through scripture, worship and pray. And for some people, that's just the right environment to be back at church. And I think one of the things um, 
in 2002, the Church of England produced a report called the Mission Shaped Church. And uh, from that came fresh expressions and that sort of thing. And one of the things that the Archbishop of Canterbury at the time wrote is that we need a diversity of church. And I think in RBC, we need a diversity of church recognizing that one size does not fit all but as God's family we all matter does that make sense yep people matter and there's a great temptation to tell people if you're going to belong you've got to do exactly the same as everybody else but that's negating that they are individuals they're differently wired as we are and they will have their story but actually they're as much part of RBC church and we need to find ways of helping them to feel that they actually really do belong even when they don't necessarily feel able to be central in you know the crowd or whatever um, so we've talked a little bit about the future, you touched on it briefly. So this is a two-part question. I'll give you the first part first. So it'll give you a chance to think about how you're going to answer it. What do you see as a future sort of aspirations for RBC? We are a town-centred church. We've got, I mean, it's back to this, much has been given, what's required. Yeah. Uh, we are in the centre of Romford. Um, we have an amazing suite of buildings. We have a care home. A care home that's uh, really important to RBC. I don't, don't think everybody realises how important that ministry is and how blessed we are as a church to have full-time care home ministering to people and loving people in the way that Parkside does. We have a care home, though, that's getting near the end of its life. Not that it's falling down, but, you know, the requirements and the desires of older people in the future going into care homes will be they want a bigger room or they want less stairs and that sort of thing. And Parkside is a lovely Victorian building, but if you've got mobility problems, there's a lot of stairs in there. And although we've got a lift, the lift goes to certain levels, but not other levels, and you have to then get off your wheelchair and onto a stair lift, go up, and then get back onto your wheelchair to go around the corner to get back onto a stair lift to go up. You know, and that's just the way that the building is. And I think going forward, there's a big question about actually what does that look like if we did something together? And I've got a bit of a dream. Am I allowed to share a dream? Go for it. Is it a reckless one? Probably. (laughs) I've got a dream of Romford, where we are, pioneering something unique, which is a truly intergenerational community of God's people. From the youngest and the oldest, working together, being together. I don't know if you saw the care home for four-year-olds on Channel 4 about a year or 18 months ago where 
these toddlers were going into a care home and how actually the health and the mo mobility of the older residents of the care home greatly improved because of the effect of toddlers and their mental health improved. But actually, could you imagine that in a church-wide setting? And I'm not suggesting, I'm not sort of saying in any particular way at the moment, but if we could develop a community, a community of peace of God's people, where all ages, all backgrounds, all people actually really work together and belong together as a radical community, where Christ is in the middle, where peace dwells. I think we've got all the ingredients could, that could make something like that happen. But it's a big step to go towards. And we've got to develop what that looks like. And I'm not, saying, I'm not sitting here and saying that's what will happen. Because dreams don't always happen in the way you imagine them. I mean, I don't know about you, but some of my dreams when I'm asleep are a bit wacky. Definitely. And you sort of think, where'd that come from? Especially for the church-related. <laughs> Especially the church-related, yeah. But, but, you know, God is seeding something to say, Romford Baptist Church, don't be comfortable, but be a bit radical. Dream something that nobody else has dreamt before and see what God does with it. You've kind of answered the second part of the question there without knowing. Well done. Which was, do you think RBC is prepared to meet these aspirations? But you've kind of answered that with God sowing the seeds and we have it here. We just need to... Well, I think, I think it comes back to you know, what a treasurer will often say when you've done a great big um, building project. You know, We have all the resources we need, but we need to release it from our pockets. Um, I think we've got all the resources we need, but we need to actually buy into it as a community. This, these things, you know, often people think it's what the minister does. The yeah. minister can't do everything. The minister's called to lead. What is it? But the whole church together needs to prayerfully consider and decide, is this something we can journey towards together? Um, I'm just going to move on to a couple of questions from the young people. Oh, help. <laughs> <laughs> so, one of the questions is, how do you envisage the role of young people in this church in 10 years' time? Which is quite a challenge because some of these young people in 10 years' time might be elsewhere, so... If I could take the question, where do I envisage young people, rather than the specific young people who yep. ask that question, um, I think if that might just focus it. I would love to see a church where young people are on the leadership team. I mean, not knocking the old ones that we've got on the leadership team at the moment. Sorry, John. <laughs> <laughs> And burned. <laughs> but actually, listen to the voice of young people. They have something key to say to God's church. And you'll be amazed 
how spiritual their voices are. And often we, use, we sort of say things like, oh, well, they can be, when they, when they leave school, when they grow up, they'll be able to be on the leadership team. I, I was leading the youth group at the age of 18, okay? We didn't have a youth worker like Hannah. The 18-year-old was the youth group leader in a town-centered church with the keys to the building at 18, okay? And 100 young people went to that youth group. Yeah. Okay? I was teaching Sunday school at 14. Snap. Leading the youth group... Uh, snap. Snap. Yeah. Leading the youth group at 18... By the age of 22, I was planting my first church in a pub. And I want to say, where has that generation of you? Why are we not seeing the next generation come through? And I'll tell you, there are many reasons, and the young people can probably tell us their own reasons, and yeah. I think they will be probably better and more accurate than mine. But we don't make space. You see, we're so afraid that a young person might get it wrong that we don't give them the chance to get it right. But actually, we need to see the young people and the young people as the heart of the life of the church. They're not the church of tomorrow. They're part of the church of today. And this goes back to my intergenerational yeah. vision that actually nobody becomes the church of yesterday, nobody becomes the church of tomorrow. We're all part of the church of today where the voices can be heard. And I want to see young people going off on mission. You know, of course, you know, it means parents letting go of them, but going off on mission overseas and those sorts of things. I want to see the young people preaching and leading us in prayer and those sorts of things. Good. And I don't want, it, I don't want to wait 10 years for this. No, you want it now. Yeah. Yeah. 2022. 2022. Okay. Um, another question is, have you ever been led by personal gains? Have I ever been led by personal gains? You mean for what I get out of it? Yeah. Ministry's not the place where you get personal gain. I, mean, I would agree with that. <laughs> um, of course, you always want to make sure you're okay and you're secure. That's part of being human, you know. Um, When I came to Romford, this is not a complaint, you understand, I took a pay, substantial pay cut to come to Romford, okay, because of where I was before and what I came to. God called me. If I was in personal gain, that was a wrong career move, okay, and it'll be a few more years yet before I get anywhere near what I was being paid seven years ago. That's not a complaint. That's what God called us to, and Vicky and I are really comfortable and happy with where we are. When I was 19, all those years ago, I had my own business. I had four retail outlets. I had staff waiting on me. I had my own flat and a high-performing high car and a pretty good girlfriend. I had to give all that up apart from the girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Um, have I ever been tempted to course? Yes. You know, have I yeah. been consistent? P 
Possibly not. I don't recall any time, but there may well have been when there's a personal gain. Yeah. But actually, I would struggle with my conscience to do that which God hasn't called me to do. Yeah. Okay. And then one more question from them. Describe RBC in three words. Describe RBC in three words. Um, I'm trying to think of three words. <laughs> Every time, I've gone through a few phases in my mind, they all come to four. <laughs> I'll let you have four. I think it's the sort of... God's radical rabble. Okay. <laughs> that sounds like a good place to be. I'd like yeah. to be a part of that church. Yeah. Okay, because the young people did come up with loads of great questions, um, what I said I'm going to do is um, I'm going to get Ian to answer them via email and they will be in the next article of the grapevine so that the young people can have a read of his answers as well and you can have a read of them. Does anybody here have any questions? You are getting off light. John. John. If you say it, I'll shout it out afterwards. Okay, so I'll just recap for people who can hear. So after Ian and Vicky had been called to ministry, we had a church weekend at High Lee, and Ian and Vicky came to visit us for a short space of time on that weekend. What did you think of us there? Yes, yeah, so we came <laughs> over on the Saturday of your weekend. Yeah. Um, couldn't stay for the Sunday because we already had the diary full of preaching engagements that weekend. Um, what did we make of you? Well... It was interesting because uh, we'd had people contacting us beforehand, uh, you know, they were doing a quiz and they wanted to you know, get to know your new ministers thing, so they'd come up with all these crazy, strange things about us. Um, I remember that, Vicky told me the answers to my team. <laughs> Vicky cheated then, didn't she? <laughs> yes, she hates losing. Uh, um, I think what we found, this is where we started to pick up some, of the, uh, some more of the hurt, actually. In that weekend, we had some great conversations. We talked to a number of people. Some people just thrilled that they got a minister at last. Yeah. Um, others who were wanting to make sure that we heard their side of the story straight away. That always happens. <coughs> One of the things I learned early in ministry, well, particularly in regional ministry, is never believe every story you're told. There's gonna be another side somewhere. But receive it. Receive it. It's true to that person. So receive the stories. So we heard some of that. We had some of the real pain and um, people who wanted to share their pain, <coughs> not about the church, but life that they were going through. But we did get an, a building excitement for our time coming to Rumford. We felt that we were wanted, we were welcomed, we were loved, and there was an anticipation for the next chapter in RBC, however long that might be. 
um, from the people there that, yeah, we've got a minister coming now, and that's good. Excellent. Before I close, any more questions? No? Well, thank you very much for willing to answer the questions. I'll send you through the most of the young people's ones. Thank you. There's some good ones there. <laughs> um, Hannah, could you just come and lead us in prayer? Is that okay? I'm sorry, I'm taking after Ian now. I didn't give you any warning. I didn't give you any warning, I'm sorry. It's okay, I'm used to it. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for Ian and for Vicky. We thank you, Father, for calling, calling them here, Father. We thank you, Lord, for all they have done, for all they will do, Father. We thank you, God, for what the last seven years have meant what you have done in those last seven years through them, Father. We thank you, God, for their patience, for their kindness, for their compassion, and for their heart for your church, Lord, and for your people, Lord. Father, as we look ahead to the next seven years, Lord, we ask God that you would continue to use them mightily, that you would show them visions, Lord, help them to dream those dreams, Father, help them, Lord, to see beyond the human confines that sometimes we place upon your house, Lord. We thank you, God, that we are so blessed to be a part of this church family. We thank you, God, for how you have blessed them and for how blessed we are because they are here. Lord, would you protect them, Father? Would you continue, Lord, to shape them, to mold them, Lord, to become more like you? Would you continue to show them, Lord, what a, what a faithful and good servant looks like, Father? We thank you, God, that they are good and faithful servants, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you love them, not just for what they do, but, mo but also just for who they are. Thank you, God, for how you have created them, Lord, and for how you have called them here. Lord, would you help us, Lord, to to pray for them. Would you help us, Lord, to support them? Would you help us, Lord, to bless them, Lord, as they, as they bless your church, Father? And Lord, we thank you, God, for stories that have been shared, for, um, for pictures, Lord, that have been shared, Father. We thank you, God, for this time. And Lord, as we leave this place, Lord, would you sow seeds in our mind, Lord, from what Ian has talked about, so sees, Lord, in our mind as to how we can continue to grow in, as your church, Father, to serve Romford, to serve the people, Lord, that you have called us to serve. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Hayley Paxman. <laughs> <laughs> It was meant to be Jan there, and I wasn't sure which I fear more. <laughs> but no, thank you for stepping in as well and being prepared to do that. As we come to a close, you know, ministry is a great privilege, and I'm delighted to be part of a great ministry team. And, you know, we could have had Vicky here or 
Jan here. They're all part of this team with Jiddy and Hannah. You know, and all important parts of this team that make the church function. But do you know what? If all the ministers were taken out tomorrow, God would still be here. And we need to continually put our faith back in God. Not in human beings. Not in the people. And so our final song reminds us of that fact. You're the word of God the Father. We stand as we sing. Thank you for, you for being with us this evening and uh, thank you for sharing and may God bless us and keep us and let's just close by saying the words of the grace to one another. Most of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. God bless you.